Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room podcast. Social media and work, two things that although we won't like to admit it, probably take up the vast majority of our time respectively. But how does work and social media intersect? It's something that features in the headlines and also features in the minds of employers. Are there things you cannot do? Are there times you cannot do it? Or is there a line between the two? So to talk to us about this today, we're delighted to be joined by one of Ireland's leading employment lawyers and experts in this area. Founder and Principal at Crushel & Co, the brilliant Barry Crushel. Thanks for joining us, Barry. How are you? Really good. And thank you for the very warm and overwhelming introduction. <laughs> no worries at all. Delighted to have you. And as always, we're joined by our very own Mary Cullen, Founder and Managing Director here at Inside HR. How are you, Mary? I'm great. Thanks, Owen. And Barry, I always find your insights really fresh and different. Uh, so I think that was a, a well-deserved introduction from Owen. Well, I'll, 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 I'll take that as a positive. <laughs> of course. Brilliant. So look, Mary, I'll come to yourself first, actually. Um, so just a bit of a kind of a context setter, really. So typically, Mary, there's, does there tend to be kind of a set policy or rule for social media at work? Or is it something that kind of many has many layers, many different uses and kind of has many different challenges for different companies? I suppose from our perspective. What have we seen? Where does it kind of fit in? I think it depends on the company, depends on the size of the company. Uh, it depends, I think, on the sophistication maybe of the IT department and the HR function. Um, but it is certainly something in the modern world that we will be recommending. Um, you know, I suppose these issues around use of social media um, come into sharp focus when there's a problem usually. And it's then that employers are trying to fall back on their policies and procedures to see what can we do uh, about those cases. And I know there's been some high profile cases in the media recently involving employees making remarks um, and a, a company taking a view on it and, and of course those being challenged at a, a later stage. So from our perspective having a policy and procedure in place is key um, more and more I'm seeing in workplace investigations and in calls coming into our uh, HR support line uh, employers concerned about something that their employee has said online or maybe they blocked a colleague on social media who they were friends with or um, I'm being presented with messages from social media like Facebook or Snapchat or, or pictures or images that people have collected um, and sent as examples of maybe bullying, harassment, sexual harassment, using those kind of platforms. Um, so there's always a challenge straying from the work related to the 
personal uh, and that's why we have the brilliant Barry Crushell with us here today because you know these decisions get challenged all the time don't they when they get to the WRC so let's say we dismiss someone for their um, behavior or conduct or remarks that they make on social media or something they have done to a colleague on social media um, and you know what's the position when we get in front of the WRC or any other form. Definitely. And I suppose then, Barry, when it comes to, I suppose, where we're getting the rules from and that kind of thing, and I know we'll look at, we'll go kind of deeper into case law in a couple of minutes, but is there kind of set legislation on this typically, Barry, or is it something that we do actually look to case law for when engaging what's wrong, what's right? Yeah, that's a very interesting question because what I say to my clients, both employers and employees, is that there has been no new legislation per se to deal with the use of social media in the workplace. And so we are relying on pre-existing uh, legislation and we're effectively shoehorning the case facts into pre-existing legislation and then making the determination on the case law. I advise my clients that there's a potential uh, for social media claims to come under a couple of headings. One would be unfair dismissal claims if the employee has been dismissed as a result of their social media use. There is the potential for a social media claim to potentially fall under an employment equality provision. For example, if an individual was claiming that they were discriminated or sanctioned as a result of their position on certain topics, might that fall under an employment equality provision in terms of their expressing a position due to their religion? their gender, their nationality, or whatnot. And then there's always the possibility of a claim being made under the Industrial Relations Act. If a sanction short of dismissal for social media use is imposed um, that an employee would like to challenge and they might believe it's um, disproportionate. There have been a number of cases um, to date. Um, and, and what I would say to you is, is that on my own, based on my own experience, there are a number of cases that haven't come to the fore because um, what a lot of employers have found themselves is being in a situation whereby they have accepted that it's easier to deal with the problem and potentially dismiss an employee because of the commercial and reputational ramifications and deal with the consequences afterwards. And that might result in potentially a settlement agreement prior to the matter ever being heard in public because they don't want to rehash the story again before an adjudication officer. And in some instances, they haven't covered themselves in glory by following the procedural steps that are ordinarily necessary for, by way of example, a dismissal. But there was one case, an early case of a security officer um, versus a security company. And he had actually, the employee had posted pictures of ch child exploitation in a closed Facebook group. And effectively, he had argued that he had posted it for the awareness of other individuals and that he was condemning the posting of this material in other forums. He was dismissed nonetheless for his actions, but the adjudication officer said that he should be reinstated uh, with a final written warning after concluding that the dismissal was unduly harsh. And another very early case was a school secretary. Um, she took on a case against a national school and effectively the school secretary was deemed to be the face of the school. And that's a very important distinction between people who might be in very public facing roles and people who are behind the scenes that individuals or members of the public are not aware of their connection to an employer. But the school secretary had posted comments, I believe it was to the effect of, 
Um, every day, let me pull it up here because I did take a note. Every day at work, I wonder if this is going to be the day that I scream the F word and then the C word to my employees, or will I just say it out loud in my head instead? Now, you would say that that was a breach of trust and confidence between an employer and an employee and that the secretary's position was effectively untenable. Um, however, and again, I think Mary will probably speak to this, the complainant argued that there was no social media policy, there was no training had ever been given, that the post was on her personal Facebook profile and that she wasn't aware that there would be this level of intrusion into what she considered her private life. And despite the wrong, the WRC reasoned that there was a number of procedural safeguards that had not been put in place and therefore the dismissal was unfair. Um, and I suppose for any employer who is worried about how employee social media use might negatively impact their business, it's important that you address it rather than wait for the accident to occur and then wonder, you know, where did we go wrong? 100%. And Mary, I suppose that's a perfect segue to my question for yourself. I mean, it's it's quite a tricky, multi-layered, multifaceted thing to do here. Social media policy isn't you can't go on Facebook between nine and five. There's a lot of there's a lot of things to this, Mary, isn't there? That employers could find quite challenging. Yeah, I mean, you from from a sophisticated IT policy perspective, you can actually block certain sites um, from employee use. So you can prevent the use on you know company um, devices of things like Facebook and. Um, Twitter and, and all of those, or sorry, X now, I, I always get confused because we still tweet, don't we, uh, on X. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, you can actually block the use of those and that's for uh, organizations to decide themselves. But in the modern age, when many employer brands are dependent on employees posting positive good news stories about the company and you're encouraging your employees to do that yay we have an ice cream machine uh look at these great benefits look at our fertility policies look at our family friendly policies you know organizations want their employees to promote the good elements of working in their organizations. But what they don't want is their reputation to be damaged in some way by uh, either a disgruntled employee, maybe an outspoken uh, employee. And, and, you know, if you think about the Courtney Carey case, um, which we have to mention, Barry, I know you're on record there, so we won't get into too much of a discussion. But, you know, we can't have this kind of a discussion without mentioning that case and employees' views on a, a global conflict and how that was viewed by her employer. Now, you know, any kind of conflict is going to bring out maybe extreme views on both sides, uh, whether that's... Um, the Ukraine, whether it's uh, Ukraine-Russia, whether it's what's happening in, with Israel-Palestine, you know, and people may feel that they need out of uh, social conscience or whatever else to go and post what they believe is private uh, in on their own pages, in their own spaces, uh, to their own networks. However, in today's modern world, aren't we all connected? 
um, managers are connected to employees um, and this can end up in a, in a consequence for the employee. So I think it's really important to be very clear about what is and isn't tolerated in the world of work. Um, my son was a professional footballer, um, you know, no longer a professional footballer, but, you know, they did extensive training with him when he joined the club around what was appropriate, what wasn't appropriate, and how they expected him to conduct himself. He was only 16 at the time, but to this day, he would be reasonably cautious. Although as a mother, don't you always look a little aghast at maybe what your children are posting online and wondering, should they, what's the future impact for them? What might an employer do if they see this public post that doesn't go away. So I think there are some really important things that organizations can do to one, protect the employee and protect themselves and their reputations going forward into the future. And any sensible employer will have a robust policy, make sure it's communicated, make sure people are trained on it. Definitely. So if we may jump back into, I suppose, case law for for a moment, Barry, and I know obviously there's a lot of stories in the headlines, a lot of cases that have got a lot of media airtime, but it's a topic you've been speaking about for quite a while now. And I know one case that you have mentioned in the past has been the Irene Glynn versus the Carlow Dental Centre, which is probably quite pertinent to what we're, I mean, it's obviously quite pertinent to what we're, to what we're chatting about today. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about that case, details, kind of key takeaways as it, as it pertains to this topic? Yeah, I, I will indeed. I suppose before I come to that, I, I actually didn't realise that Mary had a had a son who was a, a professional footballer, but just to put that into context, you know, we're, we, we're recording this in November. And if, even if you look at the backlash that a lot of Irish soccer players get in the United Kingdom for not wearing a poppy, it goes to what views are acceptable and unacceptable within certain segments of society. And a view that may be acceptable in, for example, Derry mightn't have the same cachet in Wolverhampton, uh, um, in, in Manchester or Liverpool or London. So again, it all comes down to context. And the case that you're referring to, the Irene Glynn v. Carlo Dental Clinic, that is one case that comes down to context because it was a very uh, recent decision and it really speaks to the issue and what needs to be considered by both employers and employee. And effectively, Ms. Glynn uh, was working for Carlo Dental Clinic um, she was alleged to have made controversial remarks on a social media account, I believe it was a Facebook page, which were brought to the attention of her employer, Carlo Dental Clinic, by a member of the public, not a client, not a customer, not a colleague, just a member of the public. Um, and the comments were akin to, um, it was on a, a, a Ukrainian Irish supporters page, and the, and the comments were akin to, our forefathers fought in 1916 for our freedom, why don't you go back home uh, instead of being taken care of by the Irish government here and fight for your freedom? Okay. A controversial uh, comment potentially to make. Uh, the situation is obviously more nuanced than that. And the point could have been made in a more polished fashion, but it wasn't made in a very polished and nuanced fashion. And what happened was a member of the public wrote uh, to Carlo um, Dental Clinic, actually on, I believe, their Facebook page and said, very disappointed that members of your staff are holding these extreme views. 
A meeting of the board of directors was convened while the employee was on holidays. And they effectively said, well, this amounts to hate speech. You know, it's racial discrimination, it's racial profiling. This is serious and gross misconduct. And therefore, they communicated, I believe, initially, potentially by text message, that the employee was to be terminated with immediate effect for gross misconduct. She was due to turn up to work after her holidays had ended, was told not to, that a letter would come in the post, which it did, saying that her employment um, um, had ended. However, the uh, Workplace Relations Commission deemed the dismissal to be unfair, noting that none of the procedural safeguards that would ordinarily be in place for any employee accused of any wrongdoing were afforded to this individual. And this goes to the point that I made earlier on about companies saying, we will accept the legal consequences of a, a potential claim rather than um, potentially follow the niceties that would ordinarily be expected in a dismissal procedure. So again, there was no social media policy. There was no uh, investigation. There was no independent disciplinary process. There was no right of appeal. Importantly, even though uh, being terminated for gross misconduct, the employee was never given an opportunity to put her side of uh, um, um, of the story to her employer before the, the decision to dismiss her was made. And again, whether it's social media use or just inappropriate behavior in the workplace of any kind, the same standards that are ordinarily expected of an employer are expected when it comes to any sanction for social media use. Mm -hmm. 100%. I suppose, Mary, I was going to ask you what, I mean, what, what kind of jumps out to you? in that case in particular, but I think it's going to be quite similar to what Barry mentions there, policy, procedure, doing things the right way, Mary, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't dismiss someone without engaging with them and hearing their side of the story. I mean, that's that's always going to land you in trouble. Um, you know, and, and understanding a perspective is really important. And, and while I understand and have seen over, you know, since, since the advent of, of social media, I have seen employees make mistakes, express their views, maybe with a few drinks in them late at night, post something up that's inappropriate. I've seen videos go viral um, of uh, from Christmas parties and, um, you know, people videoing people maybe with someone they shouldn't have been or in a place doing something that they shouldn't have been doing uh, in theory, but alcohol or drugs coming into play uh, in those circumstances. And from an employer perspective, it's a, it's about sense, isn't it? You know, we did our, our Christmas party special on uh, this week, which, which is uh, well worth listening to. But, uh, you know, what employees do sometimes beggars belief. Um, and you wonder sometimes, you know, what has happened that this perfectly um, happy, good employee who performs well in your business and who you like personally um, has suddenly done something like make controversial statements that upset your customers, uh, like do something like post videos or inappropriate jokes or comments and and offend others um, or or do something that's almost unthinkable. Um, and 
sometimes when you talk to those employees, as when we do investigations, we talk to these employees and they're absolutely floored by the fact that the employer's reach can stretch into the Christmas party where they feel they're on their own time outside of their contracted hours or that um, the employer is entitled to look at their Facebook page or their their X or uh, their Instagram or LinkedIn. And I do see employees posting very controversial things on, on LinkedIn, particularly around conflicts and, and dearly held beliefs around particular things um, without, I think, thinking through the consequences themselves. So I think it's important that um, we help people understand the parameters of what they can do. And certainly by making um, your public profiles private, uh, you can to some extent limit what's happening and maybe not uh, inviting all and sundry as your friend uh, to them because you just don't know what and uh, how somebody can get offended. Um, so it's a, almost like a caution for both employers and employees, both alike. Be very careful what you post. People in frustration post things like that school secretary, you know, posted something probably in frustration and, um, you know, it later comes back to bite and, and create a serious problem for her. Definitely. And look, I suppose from that employer side of things then, Barry, I mean, when you're building out your policy, your training, your approach to social media work, there is, and you mentioned a couple of these already, but I think it's an important one to refer back to, the kind of indirect legislation that kind of comes into this. I mean, things like unfair dismissal act, like you said, maybe even one I have written down here, criminal justice, incitement to violence and hatred and hate offences bill 2022. There's little bits like that, Barry, that indirectly feed into this. So how important is it to kind of be cognizant of these types of things when you're building out that social media work policy, because they might not be obvious to some employers, I suppose, would they? Yeah, I, I, I think that's a great question. And to kind of carry on uh, from what Mary had, had, had just spoken about, um, um, I recently gave a lecture on social media to the Law Society of Ireland for their, 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 their online learning course. And, and I concluded that lecture noting um, a, a quote from, um, from an American lawyer who said, you know, if you're an employee and you're driving, you're about to tweet or put something up on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook, just imagine what you have posted being on a billboard the following day that your boss is going to drive past on their way to work. And that's probably a good rule of thumb. But at the same time, I, I, I think because of the more public nature of most people's pronouncements, it has the impact to, it has the, the effect of potentially impacting us in ways that it, it wouldn't for a previous generation. If 20 years ago we didn't have access to you know, X, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you might have made comments in private to individuals and it would go no further. But now those same comments, if posted on social media, particularly as you said, Owen, on a public account, have the possibility of seeping into the workplace environment or a consideration for your employer particularly if your account is linked in some way to your employer. So for example, if you are the chief marketing officer of a company and you're the face and the spokesperson of that company and that's on your social media policies, there would be an expectation that you would behave in a particular way 
cognizant of your responsibilities to the employer. But to go back to the, the, the point that you've really made in relation to the criminal justice um, incitement to violence or hatred and, 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 and hate offences bill, I believe it's just passed through the Shannon. Um, and so it, it does look like it will be enacted. And I think this is going to be a very, very tricky piece of legislation for everybody to get to grips with. If I was to go back to the Irene uh, Glynn and the Carlo Dental Clinic case, they had said that what their employee had, uh, uh, the comments that their employee had made amounted to hate speech, despite that definition not having been provided yet. And I suppose in anticipation of today's um, podcast, I, I, I did look at uh, the bill and where it currently stood. And there is an explanatory memorandum there, and it's to repeal the prohibition of incitement to hatred act. 1989 in its entirety and replace it with a new simpler provision for incitement to hatred. And it creates new provisions for hate crime based on an aggregated offenses model. So effectively what they're saying is, is particular comments um, around people's characteristics uh, might be aggregating factors that can be taken into consideration, you know, by the authorities when an offense has been committed. But hatred isn't very well defined. Hatred is, means hatred against a person or group of persons in the state or elsewhere on account of their protected characteristics or any one of those characteristics. And those characteristics are typically speaking the same characteristics that we would have under the Employment Equality Act. Um, they would be, you know, race, gender, nationality, um, uh, and effectively, if comments are made that have evidence of a hate motivation, you know, that would be considered potentially an offence. What's also very important is, and it was hidden in the text, is that it mentioned that the condoning, denying, or trivializing of a, a genocide, war crimes, or any crimes against humanity could also constitute a hate crime. So the question that I have is, who gets to decide? Because, again, we've referred to a particular case where an individual was dismissed on account of their position on what is going on in the Middle East. But does the employer or the employee get to decide as to what is trivializing, what is condoning, what is grossly offensive? So it's going to be a very, very tricky area for employers to manage what constitutes and what doesn't constitute hate speech. You know, does behavior that otherwise might have been uh, might have amounted to a dismissal on the grounds of bullying and harassment now come under consideration because of, you know, the, the comments now being construed as hate speech. I think that's going to be very, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a very difficult one for, uh, for employers to manage. But as Mary had said earlier on, the most important part is, is that before any decision is made, both sides are heard and that the employee in question is given an opportunity to respond, present their version of events, you know, articulate their points so that when a decision is ultimately made, it can be made with the benefit of all of the information uh, to hand by an independent uh, individual who hasn't hopefully participated in the investigation and also potentially affording that employee a right of appeal. So it goes back to the bread and butter sequence of events that we would ordinarily expect for nearly any sanction, including dismissal. Independent investigation, you know, uh, a, a, an independent disciplinary process and an independent appeals process. And generally, if an employer puts those three procedures in place, even when it comes to um, sanctions for social media use, 
they will be in a much safer position than they would be rather than taking a knee-jerk reaction and reacting um, impulsively. 100%. And it's and similar to so many things we say on this podcast, Mary, on various topics. I mean, everything Barry said there, or in the way we do things, what we do, how we do it, that kind of stuff. So Mary, I suppose, kind of final question to yourself, when it comes to having a social media policy, having this approach to a training and, and the likes, how important is it? I mean, there is risk to not having this in place uh, effectively and kind of openly for staff, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's very interesting um, what Barry's talking about, hate speech. And and obviously, the more conflicts that we see out there, um, the more likely you're going to have polarised views and, and extreme views um, on on those kind of conflicts. But, but also when it comes to things like membership of the travelling community and um, various nationalities and religions, it, you know, what you see on social media can be quite shocking, really. Um, and so, again, I think reminding people uh, about their obligations to their employer and what is and isn't appropriate in the workplace, but what is and isn't appropriate for an employee of the company uh, is important, and particularly if you're in that public-facing role. Um, you know, a lot of employees take issue with what they see as, as um, you know, being gagged or or being censored in some way. And I have heard that uh, when dealing with these kind of matters. What right do, do you, the employer, have to censor my views? I am entitled to hold my views irrespective of who they're about. And as long as I don't express them within my nine to five uh, work or whatever my work pattern is, then they are my views and I am entitled to have them. And I've had various discussions with HR people down through the years around, well, do you have the right to interfere uh, in people's privately held views? And the point being, if it brings your company into disrepute, um, then yes, you do. And it, it it then becomes about the manner in which you do these things. Uh, sending someone a text saying they're dismissed, you're inviting yourself into the WRC. And when you get there, there's going to be no sympathy for your position. Um, you know, taking extreme actions like dismissal and being 100% sure you're right. And, and this is where I see a lot of employers go wrong. You know, it's, it's a bit like I saw you with your hand in the till and therefore I can sack you on the spot. That is not true. You cannot do that in the same way with social media, irrespective of what somebody has said. They might be talking about you, the business owner, the CEO. They might be talking about the entire leadership team. They might be talking about their own particular manager. Um, you know, last week I, I, I had the honor and privilege of, of speaking on the Niall Boylan show, as you know, uh, own, and people rang up uh, talking about their employers and past employers and things like that. But again, people just need to be a little bit conscious about, you know, it being identified, um, how your employer might view what you say and do in a public forum. And um, with social media, you know, we'll share all over social media that that uh, we were on a show and therefore someone's employer might well 
come into uh, contact with your strongly held views, whether they're right or wrong. So you got to think about your forums too. Where do you express your views? How do you express your views? How careful do you need to be about expressing your views? And employers can really help um, their employees and the HR can really help employees understand the risks that they take. And then they do so in an informed way. They then make their choices. And you as the employer, you in HR, uh, need to follow proper procedure. You need to make the employee aware of the case against them. You need to give them all of their rights in terms of representation. You need to investigate it and understand what the employee has to say. And then you need to look at how we view what's in that investigation report and what decision we're going to make then. And it's always always worth um, having the sense check outside of the organization because sometimes that group think that we're right as a management team will come into effect and you, then you find yourself in the WRC being accused of all sorts of unfairness when you actually thought you were doing the right thing, protecting your employees, protecting your customers, um, preventing hate speech, preventing bad behavior as far as you're concerned. So uh, get your advice, that's what I would say. Get your belt and braces, policies, procedures in place, well thought through, put them to your employee resource groups, get invite input from them, and see what's sensible, work with your wording, um, but make sure it's there, make sure it's done and follow procedure. 100%, and I suppose any final kind of words of advice for yourself, Bear, I assume would be like a lot quite similar to, to what Mary said, she covered a lot of bases there. Just reiterating the points that Mary has, has made, I don't think a Workplace Relations Commission adjudication officer will even need to consider what was said by the employee if the employee can initially point to all of the failures or procedural safeguards that should have been in place, and that's what the case will, will focus on. If an employee takes a case against their employer and the procedures and safeguards that Mary has alluded to haven't been put in place, then a good employment lawyer will focus on those technical aspects rather than get into a debate about the merits of what was said in the first place. Regardless of how extreme the views may have been, regardless of how offensive those uh, that, that employee's position uh, might be, regardless of the reputational damage that has been done, if you can separate the comments from the process and the process has procedural failures written all over it, then there is a strong probability that employee will have a successful claim. And therefore, it's incumbent that whether or not you have a social media policy, that you follow the stages that Mary has alluded to. 100%. And again, it's, it's one of those topics that has very strong foundation. So it's great to hear, I suppose, a lot, but two very great perspectives on that. So thank you, Mary and Barry, for a very practical, enjoyable, and I'm sure a very useful discussion for many of our listeners. Um, thank you to everyone for listening. We'll catch you next week for the next installment of our podcast. So don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels. We'd love to hear your thoughts on, on topics like this, actually. Um, if you are enjoying these episodes, do please feel free to share them with colleagues, friends, family, and even better, if you can leave us a review on whatever platform you're on, we'd really appreciate it too. And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today at Inside HR. Thank you, Mary, and thank you, Barry.
Thanks, Owen. Thank you, Barry. Thank you both. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.